You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. We're going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 16. Uh, I'm just going to read the first four verses. We're, we're going to look at the story of manna this morning. The food, the bread that fell down from heaven every morning and fed the Israelites while they were in the desert. So listen to this story. It's Exodus 16 verses 1 uh, through 4. 16, one says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So here's all these people. We think about 2 million people out of Egypt in the desert, wandering around. There's really not any food in the desert if you've ever been there. In the desert, the whole community grumbled. Everybody say grumbled. It's a a common theme in the book of Exodus for the people to to grumble. And they grumble against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat. Doesn't that sound fun? Like I just imagine a barbecue or something, you know. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. God is saying, I'm going to take care of you. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether or not they follow my instructions. Let's pray this morning. God, right now we invite your presence into this room, into our hearts and minds. God, would you open us up to learn directly from you and from your word, from your spirit, Jesus? God, would you inspire us to love you every day? Would you inspire us to eat of the food of heaven like the Israelites ate the manna? Would you give us spiritual food to live on every single day? And so God, we love you and we praise you. And everybody screamed. Yes, somebody screamed. Um, When we were in Africa a few, uh, I guess it's just a few weeks ago now. uh, How many many of us were in Africa? Yes, with the mill missions. Uh, when we all, we all like went separate ways, separate countries, we all came back to Nairobi, Kenya, and we had stories and testimonies of what God had done, stories of like things that were funny that happened, and just all kinds of random stories. One of the stories that Aaron Stern had um, that was just kind of funny and cool is that when he was in the airport in Rwanda, he met, uh, what's his name, Anderson Cooper. Do you know him? The guy on CNN that has like bright white hair and does like story and never ever even cracks a smile. He's just like, mur, 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 mur. and uh, he's a he's a good journalist. But so he met uh, he he got to meet Anderson Cooper and and a, like our society is just fascinated with like famous people. So I would pretend like I'm not that fascinated with with famous people. And so I was like, so so what 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 did he say? What did he, what did he do? What was he doing when when you when you saw him? And I guess he was just like playing on his laptop, which of course was a Macintosh laptop. Yes. And uh, he, was, he was typing away. His whole crew was there. And so me and Aaron were like, he's probably doing a story story on something uh, in Africa. And we're like, man, I wonder what that story is. He's probably doing something really cool. Um, and, and then after we had gotten back, I think it was like about three weeks after I got back, I was just watching CNN. And there was this story about um, world hunger and in Africa. It was by Anderson Cooper. It must have been the story he was working on when he was out there. And he was working on the story about children that are affected by, um, I, I guess, just starvation, how children are more susceptible to not getting the right nu- nutrients out of the food that they eat and as they develop. And, and, I mean, kids get so weak without food that they, 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 that they can't live. And it's an extremely sad situation, obviously, in, in desperate poverty-stricken areas, and he was doing this story. I'm going to tell you the name of this substance. It's like a like a food thing that they would give the kids, and it's it's it's. A, I don't know who came up with the name, but the name of it is called Plumpy Nut. It's a good name, huh? And so, like during the CNN story, like the five ten minute story, they must have said Plumpy Nut like a million times. And so, once a kid gets Plumpy Nut, he eats the Plumpy Nut, and the Plumpy Nut has all the nutrients and vitamins to take care of the kid. And what it really is like this bag of little bag of peanut butter that has uh, it's like creamy peanut butter that has all these nutrients, the vitamins that the kid needs, all the protein, all the carbohydrates, simple sugars, uh, et cetera, et cetera, to live three meals a day. Plumpy nut, thirty-five dollars a month. I mean, how many? How much do you guys spend on food per month? 
a little more than 35 bucks, right? Um, so anyways, uh, all the nutrients a kid would need to live and survive are in these bags, three bags a day, and a kid is taken from a horrible, poverty-stricken, about to die because they don't have enough food and nutrients to living fine, developing fine. And it's this idea that plumpy nut is kind of like the manna that was rained down from heaven. <laughs> People are just looking at me like, no, I don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we're going to look at manna today. And as, as I talk about food, and I realize that I'm really not talking about food. We're talking about something spiritual. At the end of Sunday school today, I'm going to read what Jesus has to say about manna and food. And I, I hope to not give it away, but Jesus says he's the bread of life. He's going to say, your fathers ate the manna from heaven and they died. But I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And so we're gonna, I'm going to read that at the very end of Sunday school and, uh, and pull it all together about spiritual food. But um, before we go into that, uh, if you're newish to the Mill Sunday School, welcome. This is a place, a gathering of nerds. It was just people that like to go a little deeper into the Bible, people that like to study a little bit more. So we, we come to Mill Sunday School, then we go to the main service together right after this. And uh, if you're brand newish, there's cards on your tables. You could take one of those, fill it out. We want to get to know you. Give it to the main table. And in exchange for that, we'll give you a CD with some cool songs and a, a welcome sermon on it for you, just as a gift of saying, hello, what's up? Thanks for coming. Thanks for filling out the card. So you can do that. Um, but... Uh, Let's get started. This whole manna thing, um, it's really God taking care of people's needs. Not just their wants, but their needs. People need food. How many of y'all need food? <laughs> Some people are like, what? <laughs> yeah, you do. You need food to live. Humans need food to live. And so imagine this situation where two, we, we think that the, the people in the desert, the Israelites in the desert, numbered about two million. And last time I, I made the comparison that that's about Metro Denver. Two million people is about Metro Denver, taken from Metro Denver, or a.k.a. Egypt, and they just go into, like, Wyoming, a.k.a. the desert. And in, uh, sorry if you're from Wyoming, just kidding. I mean, there's part, there's nice parts of Wyoming, but, the, like, the part that's, like, right north of Denver is just, like, wasteland. Um, if you've ever, but nothing grows. It's just kind of like rocks and sagebrush. There's nothing to eat out there. There's no water out there. And so... Two million people taken from, de from downtown Denver into Wyoming and, and, and from Egypt into, really, into the wilderness, into the desert. There's no food out there. There's no water out there. And yet for 40 years, everybody say 40 years. That's a long time that God provided for his people. Water and, and food and their needs were taken care of. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to compose a little list of needs and wants needs and wants. And I think sometimes the, 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 the marking line between needs and wants is, is a little gray. I mean, you could put that, you could be really strict and say, oh, my needs are food, water, and shelter, right? I mean, that's like the basic, I need this. But then you have to say, well, to get food and to have some place to live, kind of have to have a job. And so maybe a job or some source of income is a part of a need. And then, and then maybe part of your needs, if you really start to think about, well, maybe I need a car or maybe I could ride the bus. I don't know. Maybe it's a need or a want. Do I really need a car? Do I really want a car? Maybe I do need. I don't know. And so make a list of needs and wants. Would you do that for just like 60 seconds and then share your list with your, with your folks about what basically you're asking the question, where do I draw the line between need and want? Ready, get, set, go. <laughs> Don't be afraid to share share your notes. <laughs> Why does the Jeopardy theme song always come on during this? It's not really a. <laughs> just kidding. The good. Just kidding. Tech tech guys are doing good. some needs and, and wants um, um, as, as just a while ago I was kind of thinking about this and thinking about like cool things like cell phones how many of you guys have a cell phone 
I mean, pretty much. I mean, maybe there's some reason why you don't have a cell phone or you choose not to have a cell phone. But, I mean, out of the list, I mean, do you need a cell phone or you just really want a cell phone? Like, to have a job? Like, I kind of need a cell phone to have my job as being a pastor because I'm never at my desk. I'm always, like, running around and doing something silly. Um, (laughs) And so, I mean, you just think about needs and wants and, like, is that line black and white? Is it just food, water, food, water, and shelter? Or is the, the needs and wants kind of begin to merge with each other. And I want to I want to say that wherever you draw your line, food is definitely a need. And the Israelites are in the desert without food, and they're getting really hungry, and you need food to live, obviously. You need food for energy. And if I go without food, the first thing that happens to me is I get really grumpy. You could ask my wife. I'm just like, Meh. and I get really grumpy, and I start grumbling. And that, that's really what the Israelites did. They were grumbling, and they weren't trusting God for their food. I mean, think about what the Israelites experienced. The parting of the Red Sea. All the ten plagues that happened to the Egyptians but didn't happen to them. Um, the pillar of fire that guides them by night and the pillar of smoke by day. I mean, true miracles that they saw. And they come to a place where they're a little bit hungry and they start grumbling and not trusting God. And by the way, the end of chapter 15, right before this chapter 16, is the, the waters of Mira, the waters of bitterness. And they, it says that the Israelites are walking for three days without water. Has anybody been three days without water? You get a little thirsty after that. And, and so they, they once again start grumbling, and they find a big pool of water, and it's bitter, and they taste it, and they're like, oh, it tastes like, ah, it's bitter. And, and Moses, through the Holy Spirit, through God's plan, Moses sees a stick on the ground, and usually, I mean, this is obviously a spiritual thing, he picks up the stick, and he throws it into the pool of water, and the waters become sweet and good to drink. And the people see that, and the people are provided for with one of their most you know, one of the top needs of water. Um, and Moses, this that happens, and then right after that, the people get hungry, and they're in need of food, and yet they grumble and complain again, and they're in need of food. And so God answers that need with the giving of the manna. And what's so interesting about that is, is the people complain. They say they wish they were back in Egypt where they had pots of meat to eat. Do you, you remember that part? I mean, think about what, remember what they were doing in Egypt? Were they having a good time and vacationing by the Nile? No, they were slaves. They had slave drivers. They were, they were forced into hard labor with bricks, and they were made to, made, made to make bricks without straw. They had to go get their own straw to make the bricks because the Egyptians thought they were lazy, and the, the Egyptians had whips and slave drivers, and they were killing all of their boys. If they had a little boy, the Egyptians would kill it. Is that a good time? No, and the, yet the, the Israelites are complaining, saying, oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. I wish things were the way they were. They're totally not trusting God. And so God gives them the manna to eat. And so let's talk a little bit about this manna thing. Um, all of chapter 16 is kind of about this manna. You could read that sometime. It's a pretty sweet chapter about the manna, this bread from heaven. And basically what it is, is, well, we're not totally sure. Do you know what the word manna means? Yeah, it means what the? <laughs> Man, literally, manna means what the? That in Hebrew, it means what is this? Or what the? That's what I would say. What the? It, the people didn't know what it was. It's a spiritual thing. It's a God-given, miracle, miraculous thing. It's been compared to hoarfrost. Do you know what hoarfrost is when it gets like really damp out and then really cold? Like all the trees have like that little, that little frost stuff that comes off. It's supposed to be something like that. It says that it was white like coleander seeds. Anybody know what a coleander seed is? I don't know really. So I guess it's like an herb or something. It's white, I guess. Um, actually, the leaves of coleander are something called cilantro. You know what that is? Yeah, so spice. So I mean, it's, it was white. It was on the ground. It came in the morning as the dew came, and uh, people had no idea what it was. It was called what the, and uh, people were instructed to go out and collect an omer of it. This is, this is a. Uh, it's kind of like manna. It's really hot dog buns that somebody was throwing away. And I was like, dude, that looks like manna. And so I collected, uh, this is about it. I looked up what, it, my Bible is a study Bible. I, I highly encourage you to get a study Bible because it has sweet notes like this. But my Bible, uh, study Bible says that about an omer is about a liter and a half, maybe two liters. And so I, I figured this to be about two liters of uh, hot dog buns all crushed up. And so they would go out every day and collect some manna. And they were, they were instructed to not collect 
too much. If they go out and collect a whole bunch, enough for like a month, so that they don't have to collect anymore, what would happen to the manna? It, would, it, would, it says it would rot and get maggots in it. It was a spiritual food for them. And yet on one particular day, uh, do you know that the Jewish holiday of the Sabbath is on Saturday? So on Friday, people would collect double the amount. And miraculously, the manna would not go bad on that one particular day on the Sabbath. So they, they could collect and didn't have to go out and collect it. But people would just collect this manna um, or hot dog buns. I have no idea like exactly kind of what it was. But in, in the book of Numbers, I mean, people ate this for 40 years. That's a long time to eat bread. But at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, if the food is just provided for them and they have water provided for them, um, I mean, that's kind of like a free lunch. I mean, when, I mean, think about it. God is really taking care of these people. And um, well, something that I always thought was kind of funny is that this is their sustenance. This is their, their provision for, for life, the fo- all the food that they probably needed. But they still had, there's passages that talk about the livestock that they had. So they probably still had lots of milk from the cows and goats, I guess. Um, they had meat from the cows, the goats, the sheep. Um, and, and it says that God gave them quails too, like these birds that would come. And so God really took care of these people. But the main miracle was this miracle of the, of the bread that would come from heaven and, and be on the ground every single day like the dew. And it's also talked about that it was like the resin. And it's talked about in numbers that people would gather it. And then it says they would crush it in a hand mill or in a mortar and then cook it in pots and make it into cakes. And it says that it, it was tasted something like olive oil. And so I just imagine there being somebody like Bubba on Forrest Gump talking about manna. He's like, you could, you could broil the manna. You could have sweet manna, sour manna, hot and sour manna, manna cakes, sweet manna pie. And just, just going on and on. <laughs> about manna and how you can eat it and the different ways you can eat it. And, and it's just really God's provision for the people of Israel while they were in the desert. And uh, I just think it's so cool, this idea of you, you, can't, you can't save it up because it'll rot. You really have to trust God every day that you'll go outside and just like the day before, miraculously, There'll be food everywhere, and you just have to pick it up and eat it and collect it. It's just ultimate trusting in God for one of your most, you know, your biggest need. I mean, besides air, I guess, I guess it'd be like air, water, then food, right? Anything else? Maybe like, I don't know, something else might be in there. I just shelter. <laughs> Shelters, but but you kind of need food before you need, right? I mean, you could you go without shelter. You could just like sleep out in the parking lot like Desperation did all weekend, right? <laughs> um Anyways, uh, God will provide. If you're taking notes um, and you like to keep structured, we're at this part right here where it says, God will provide. The people, the people grumble against the Lord. They don't trust God enough to know that God will provide for their needs. And the reason I had you um, write down your needs versus wants is that your needs are something you really can't live without. Your life and who you are you need those things on your list. Whatever you put down specifically, and your list could look a little different than someone else's list. That's, I think that's okay. But trusting in God for our needs. And we all need, of course, the air, water, food, shelter. And uh, food, I just think it's really rare these days, at least in the United States of America, where uh, people are really in need of, of food. Food. I mean, I'm, I, I know it happens. I know there's really poor people that, that don't have enough to eat. But, I mean, you just go to, like, Sam's Club or, like, Whole Foods and, like, get all the samples. Um, <laughs> you'll be fine. Or, I mean, if someone is really in need, there's, there's uh, Karen Share, the, you know, the, 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 the donation. They, they give you food for the less fortunate and uh, they collect canned food and things like that. And there's, I mean, there's even, like, soup kitchens downtown where you can get a whole meal for free. If someone's really hungry, I mean, if somebody in here is really hungry, I mean, just go, go to the back and get, get yourself a bagel, you know? It's, I, I say all that just to say that in the United States, we, it's pretty rare that someone is, like, really hungry and in need or so, that famine strikes somewhere in the United States. It happens. It's just kind of rare. And in our days, um, we're just kind of given over to lots of luxuries, and that, and that need and want list sometimes gets very confusing about what we really need and want. Um, how many of you put a car? One of your needs is a car. Yeah, I, put, I, put, I, would, I think I would put that on my list that, you know, we kind of live kind of far from my job, and I kind of need a 
car every day to get up to my job so that I could provide uh, for food and shelter. And uh, sometimes I just like talking about my car a little bit because I got a sweet ride. It's a, a (laughs) for those of you that know, it's kind of a joke. Sometimes my car starts. Sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) In fact, it never really just like starts right up. It's kind of an old car. It's still the, this might not be impressive for some of you that just graduated high school, but it's still, I'm almost 30, I'll be 30 this summer, and it's still my very first car. It's like, it's like a miracle in itself. Um, <laughs> and it's not like it's like one of the, like a really cool car that I got brand new. It's like a, it's a Ford Escort. It's a sweet ride. It's a, <laughs> yeah. And uh, sometimes it's just embarrassing. I'll be in the parking lot and like, no, 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 no. I figured out that if I don't make eye contact with anybody, then no one comes over and is like, do you need help? Um, I just kind of keep my head down. No, 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 no. And then eventually it, it uh, usually starts right up. <laughs> and uh, it's just, I, I just think about my car. I think back to when I got the car at 16 and what a blessing it was because my parents helped me pay for it right there. I paid it off right when I bought it, bought it used. And... Um, what a blessing it's been. And I kind of jokingly made this covenant with me and my car. <laughs> when I got the car, I said, until death do us part. And, and so, like, whether I die or at some point, I mean, the car will die. Um, you know, the engine will go out or, it'll, you know, uh, just something will happen to it that's, that's considered death of the car. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's fun to think, man, who knows how much longer this car will last. It's really a testimony of, like, God's provision in my own life. And I really do think about it like that, the blessing this car is. And so even though it's embarrassing, it doesn't start sometimes. Or like I'll be going out to lunch with some, like I'll pick up, pick up somebody for lunch. And they're like, you know, work at a bank or something. You go to the mill, you know, they're kind of like dressed up like this, you know, looking good. We'll get in my car. Don't worry, man. Like, did you want to take my car? We can. But it's, I just think about it as, as a need is fulfilled in my life. And, and, and maybe a want would be like a sweet Toyota Tundra or something like that. You know, that need, a want would be that. And, 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 uh, but I just think about the provision that God has given me to overcome this need in my life. And Philippians 4, 6, some of you probably know this verse by heart. Um, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. So be thankful for what you have. Don't look back and say, you know, the, the Israelites look back and say, man, I wish we had things. Things were so good in Egypt. We had pots of meat to eat. Are you insane? Don't you remember Egypt? Don't you remember that you, had, you were slaves and you had slave drivers and they were killing all your little boys? Like, don't you remember that? Who cares about pots of meat? They were killing your little boys and they were, they were slave driving you into the ground and day and night you had to work. Um, how easy it is to forget about, about just to, how easy it is to doubt God and to forget the things that he has done to provide for you. And, and as we get into this, as we get into this message, I'm talking much more about than just food and how God provides for our needs. I'm really talking spiritually, how God spiritually provides for our needs. I think it's out of those four things, um, the air, the water, the food, and the shelter. There's got to be something about living a whole life that, that, that's spiritually fulfilling. You know, you could have the food, water, clothing, shelter, and air, but just not, not feel like your needs are met. There has to be a, some sort of spiritual aspect, emotional community aspect to your life, or it's just not a normal life. It's just not a good life. You, need, you really need people. You really need God. Augustine talks about it like this. Augustine says, you may have heard this before, maybe not known that it was Augustine or St. Augustine, same guy, different pronunciation, lived in the fourth century, talked about how every person has a God-shaped box or a God-shaped hole in their heart that only God can fill. How many of you have heard of that before? Yeah, it goes way back to the fourth century that Augustine says, inside every one of us is this need for God, a need, a legitimate need for God to come in and fill our lives up. And if we don't have that, then we might, I mean, it's kind of like a puzzle piece that, that only God can fill fully. And so we try to put things in there, uh, various things that we try to fill our lives with, and yet nothing will ever fill it up like God himself. It's a God-shaped, only God can fill this void that is in our lives. And um, I was listening to some sermons this week, 
And uh, I was listening to a sermon by a guy that goes around and speaks. He speaks a lot to uh, youth about sexual purity. And he was just giving his testimony. A testimony that, that he was a Christian as a kid and grew up, but then really began struggling with pornography. And he began struggling. And in his own words, he talks about it as a hunger in his life, this hunger, this this desire that he call he calls a hunger for pornography, and the pornography did not fill it in his life, and he began going to um, strip clubs, massage parlors. He ends up even going to prostitutes, and here he is on this tape. I'm just I say CD, listening to this CD of him share his own story and testimony, talking about the hunger, the deep hunger in his life and how it wasn't fulfilled and he even goes on to share this story about how he is trying to live a christian life and kind of kind of going to church kind of not going to church and how he um is in a parking lot one night and and he sees a woman after all this hunger and struggle with with pornography and then on up to prostitution he sees a woman in a parking lot and has this hunger the way he talks about it is this hunger um, and he wants to fulfill this hunger, and he sees a girl in a parking lot outside of a tennis court, and he says that he, even though he knew the truth of God, he knew God in his life, um, he, he got out of his car and forced this woman into her car and had his hand on her neck and was uh, about to do something horrible, and he sees the look in her eyes, the fear, and he's, he just realizes, I can't, I can't do this, that my hunger... For, is not going to be fulfilled here. That, that this is a horrible mistake. And so on the CD, he even says, I, I'm, I made a horrible mistake. I'm so sorry. He gets out of the car. He gets in his own car, um, uh, drives away. The woman writes down his, his license plate number. The cops find him. The church finds out about what he's been doing, the church that he was going to. He was kind of in a leadership, a little bit of a leadership role there. He, everyone just looks upon him and says, why? How could that have happened? And in his own words, as he's giving his testimony, God has redeemed him and saved him from that fully. And uh, as he's sharing that testimony, he just talks about the hunger, the hunger that he was trying to fulfill in his life and the darkness, the, just the black, horrible rotting maggot food spiritual food that he was trying to eat um as he was looking and being lustful and um it's just a it's a story that really touched me obviously it's a powerful story um that touched me this last week as i was preparing for this message and just the idea that our hunger can only be fulfilled our spiritual hunger can only be fulfilled truly in God, and that's that's the only way this God-shaped box, this God-shaped hole in our heart, is truly fulfilled. And so, as as we're taking notes, we're at this part where it says every day. And what's so amazing about the story of the manna is that God provides for the Israelites every single day. Every single day, there was dew on the ground, in the form of this resin, this flake-like manna. For the people of Israel to eat. And uh, at, the, at the end of Sunday school, like I said, I'm going to read what Jesus has to say about this manna. That he is this bread that comes down from heaven. And um, I just think there's, there's something really important about this idea that, that God gave them this manna every single day. And that they could not, even if they tried, to, to save it up. In fact, chapter 16, one of the passages says that some people went out and they collected a whole bunch and they tried to save it up. And God got mad with them. God said to Moses, why are these people, aren't they, didn't they listen to your commands? Why are they collecting more? And so God, God made the manna rot. And so you couldn't collect more than you, more than an omer, more than this much per day, per person. You couldn't collect this any more than this or it would rot. Except on, of course, the Sabbath. That's the one the day that they, on Friday, would collect two times that amount and they would be left over for, for Saturday, the day that they were supposed to be resting. But when I was a kid, I grew up um, Catholic. And I always feel like before I tell any Catholic stories that I need to say that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a whole bunch of Catholic brothers and sisters there. I personally believe that. I personally believe that there's lots of Catholic congregations that preach and teach the message of Jesus Christ. And they're really good churches. Um, although I do have, uh, I know a lot of you and... Um, maybe evangelical Christians as a whole probably have some problems with some of the theology about saints and Virgin Mary and so on and so forth. But when I was a kid, I had some really 
good experiences with God. And one of those experiences, I think is like a little fourth grader, um, I, was, I was getting ready to do my first communion. That's the first time you get to go up and uh, receive the, the bread. And the, and ca- in the Catholic Church, they used real wine. Um, and so it was like a big deal as a kid, you know. You're like, wow, a little cup of wine. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but God taught me something spiritually. Through, I was in this class to prepare for the first communion, so I wouldn't just get excited about the wine as a kid. <laughs> the, that the, and, we, and we learned this prayer. Maybe some of you learned it. It's called the Our Father. Do you know that prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so as a kid, I learned that prayer. And I remember going through it with my Sunday school teacher, my first communion class teacher, and, and really thinking through that prayer, thinking, wow, this is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And different parts of that prayer were about uh, forgive those who have trespassed against us. And so I'd forgive people. I'd say, man, God, I forgive that kid that stole my Spider-Man watch. Or God, I forgive my brother for beating me up. Um, and, then, and then it says, forgive us as we forgive others. And so, uh, or for, forgive us. And so I would for, ask God for forgiveness of my own sin. God, I'm sorry that I didn't obey my parents the other day. Or I'm sorry that, I, I, you know, whatever my little fourth grade sins were. And, um, and so I, I was going through that prayer and the idea of giving us our daily bread is in there. That this idea of providing for us. And I just thanked God. Thank you, God, for providing for us as a family and that we have enough food. And, th- and going through that prayer was just pretty cool as a kid. I had a spiritual experience. I don't think I was saved at that point, but it was definitely a spiritual experience of just learning that prayer and memorizing it. And then after I memorized it, um, the, the first communion teacher lady, she said, now every night before you go to bed, you have to say this prayer five times. And so I just remember having such a great experience learning the prayer and then it just becoming each and every day just very like remote and just very like just rote memory, just memorization of this prayer, having to say it five times in a row. And so I'd be like at my little bed, like kneeling down, you know, hands hands folded, saying it as fast as possible. Just as fast as I could, just as rote memory thing, thinking that I was pleasing God, thinking that I was doing something spiritual. And really, I think what I was doing, I mean, looking back, I mean, I was just a little fourth grader, then I, I was just doing what I was told by the Sunday school teacher. But I think what I was doing then is, is eating of old manna that I learned this prayer and it was awesome and sweet. And then sometimes I'd try to get back to that place of this kind of little spiritual high that I had when I was thinking about God. And wow, God's here. And he's listening to my prayer. And I'd try to, try to get back into that moment through this prayer, through this memory of this prayer and try real hard. But it's really, it's like God wants to give you fresh manna every single day. Don't save it up. Um, as I was preparing for this message this week, I was in a coffee shop and a uh, kind of coffee shop downtownish because I live in Manitou Springs. Um, uh, and uh, Aaron Stern lives in uh, like OCC, Old Colorado City. So every once in a while we'll uh, be we'll meet up for like coffee in the morning. We'll, we'll chit chat for like five ten minutes, and then we'll kind of go our separate ways in the coffee shop. We'll be at separate tables, pretend like we don't know each other, uh, <laughs> and just I'm preparing this message. Aaron's preparing for Friday night, or else we're journaling or reading the Bible or just doing a little devo. And I noticed that when I was talking to Aaron, he had this uh, one-year Bible book, and I was like, sweet. And I didn't know he was doing the one-year Bible, but I guess he's been doing it since January 1st. And uh, he was just, I was just like, wow, so what do you got to read every day? And it's like two chapters in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New Testament, half a psalm-ish, and one verse in Proverbs. <laughs> and uh, we were just talking about that one verse in Proverbs, and we just started joking. And uh, as I was preparing for this for this message and saying what I'm about to say, uh, Aaron was like, man, I just want to read a whole bunch of verses at once and then, and then not read them anymore. And I said, oh, you can't do that. Because that, that's, like, that's like saving up the manna, Aaron. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> and we, we were just obviously just kind of joking around about that. But it's just this idea that you can't, you can't save up all these experiences and then, oh, I'm good for a little while. You can't just say, oh, I go to church once a Sunday and not have a deep a life-fulfilling spiritual food in God throughout the week. Or, I mean, when we were in Africa and we all met up back in Nairobi, Kenya, there was just messages uh, by Aaron and Evan and Noel and various stories about, you know what, when we go back home, 
there's there's something called you might laugh post mission depression that you come back and you're just on this high you've been provided for spiritually right from god and doing all these things seeing all these cool things i mean people saw healings people coming to salvation just being stretched and pulled and getting up at four in the morning to pray staying up late praying and all this i mean just goodness and we ate so much of the the spirit i mean you could call it the manna of god while we're on the mission and the the warning was as we as we were leaving africa was the warning was continue to eat from the manna continue to eat your spiritual food every single day what are you eating spiritually and how often are you eating it i think that's that's a question that god continues to ask me and uh maybe it's a question worth writing down as as one of the main points of this lection this little lecture teaching what what are you eating spiritually and how often are you eating it what are you eating spiritually and how often are you eating it I remember the first time I uh, had, as a Christian, um, it was a couple years into my Christian life where I had an extended prayer time, a, a prayer time of about three-plus hours, three-ish hours. That's a long time to pray. Um, even now, that's, I mean, it's a long time to pray. I've done, I've done lots of extended prayer times since then, but my very first one was um, on Monday, Thursday. Have you ever heard of that? Some of you might have heard of it. There's there's Good Friday, right? Good Friday. Then there's Saturday. And then there's Easter Sunday. Well, Thursday is called Monday. Th- I think it stands for Holy Thursday. I could be told I need to research that. Holy Thursday. Thank you. Um, and what Holy Thursday is, the celebration. Some churches do it. Some churches don't. Uh, it's the celebration of the Last Supper, the supper, the, the Passover feast that Jesus ate of when he uh, ate with his disciples. And so uh, that, whole, that whole day, I was kind of hanging out at the church. I was, I was kind of an intern at this church. And nobody would tell me what the service was going to be like that night. Like, oh, you haven't experienced a Monday, Thursday service? Oh, well, I bet you can't wait till tonight. And I was like, man, what's it going to be like? What are we going to do? Is there going to be like some great speaker coming in? Is Matt Redmond coming in or something? The D-band coming in? Um, I just was wondering, like, what what's going to happen at this service tonight, this Monday, Thursday service, the celebration of the Last Supper that Jesus had? And all that day, people were, like, going in and out of the chapel, kind of preparing for it. And I'm like, what are they doing in there? And they're like, you can't go in there yet. You have to wait till tonight for the service. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so finally, the service came around. We met, like, in the hallway to, to go in. And the pastor just said, you're going to go in here? And all we're going to do is it's going to be a time of prayer. And when you're ready, you can take communion. I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Waited all day for this. <laughs> it was kind of what I was thinking. But when we walked in, it was really impressive. What they had done is they had done all these preparations to make the room look as much as they could like a literal place, the upper room where Jesus could have had the Last Supper. I mean, everything, like to the T, like on the on the wall were like ru- kind of cloth and rugs and things that could have been ancient. Um, the, the table wasn't like a sitting table. The table was more of an ancient Middle Eastern table, low to the floor, kind of these pillows around. Um, there wasn't any silverware because it's probably assumed that like today, Middle Eastern cultures eat with bread in their, or their hands. Um, there wasn't any plasticware. There wasn't any silverware. Uh, the cups were made out of wood. The plates were very simple pottery um for the meal there was eggs and a lamb and the grapes were even even had seeds in them because kind of like the seed think about the seedless grape thing kind of came out just a few years ago with genetics and all the you know so the the great i mean everything everything that they could think of to the t was this last supper experience and that there was nobody at the table it was 13 seats 12 for the disciples one for jesus and we went in and just kind of stood around and then sat down and then the pastor instructed us pray as long as you want and then take communion directly from the table come up here and take some of the bread where jesus would have been sitting where jesus in this moment would have said you know i'm the bread eat eat of my flesh and live and he would have said that and so come up here take the bread and eat it and and, and partake of communion here at this table and it's just sweet and i I just remember like uh, sitting there and i began to weep thinking god I, you've called me to, to be like one of your disciples, someone that you've called to come and eat at your table. I just remember just feeling so like I'm not worthy to come to your table, to be called your disciple. And I was just kind of weeping and, and praying through that and I just trying to listen to God 
saying, Joe, you are a disciple of mine. Come to my table. And I just remember sit, that time really flew by. And, I, you know, I can't, I can't at all brag about a three-hour prayer meeting. It was just, it's just what it was. It was God's work inside of me that I was sitting there. And then finally, I mean, the, the, like the pastor went home. The, the tech guy went home. They kind of just kind of kind of just like knew that some people were still in there praying. I was one of them. I was one of the last to leave. I think I was the last to leave. And finally, after everyone was gone, I came up and I ate. I took of the bread that, that was just right there at that table. And I just, I mean, the whole time I was praying, I kind of had my hands over my eyes and I would kind of just peek as if like, wow, I, I, this literally could be just like it was set up um, 2,000 years ago. And I was just an, amazed at that. And I had this experience there at this prayer meeting. And I finally took communion and then um, uh, went home. And the next day I was talking with the worship pastor and just getting so excited about, man, we got to do that again. I can't wait till next year. And then I had all these ideas in my head about, man, wouldn't it be sweet if we set up a scene, like another scene, like uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 and we could set up like the fish and the loaves or something like that. Wouldn't it be sweet if we could set up like the Garden of Gethsemane scene? Wouldn't it be sweet if we could like set up the the Sea of Galilee scene and then have these prayer meetings? I was just getting so excited. And the the youth pastor, the uh, worship pastor actually, just kind of said something that really struck me. I, I never had heard it before, but I really understand what it means now. And he said, Joe, don't eat of the old manna. And he, then he explained that, you know, you don't need this, this table scene, this Monday, Thursday service in order to, to, to have, ex, have an experience with God, that God himself will provide for you spiritual food. And you don't need to, I mean, those things are great, but we don't, every time we pray, we don't need to set up a Bible scene <laughs> in order to come and pray. But, but God himself will provide for us that that this this idea of daily devotion of of the lord is is how god provides for us this idea that that the manna that an omer of manna was provided for every single person all these israelites all over the ground and people just had to pick it up and you could eat it or you could mash it and make it into manna cakes or whatever you want it was sustenance it was god's provision for you and as i think spiritually god provides for us every single day that we can be provided for through um, daily devotion. That could look like so many things. That could look like reading your Bible or studying your Bible. That could look like listening to a worship CD or maybe if you're musical, playing worship music on your own. Or it could just look like sitting still and trying to listen to God, kind of meditating and thinking about, God, what do you want to say to me? It could be just a prayer, or just a simple prayer between you and God, this time of God and uh, time with God. And... Um, if you leave here thinking today, oh, I got to do my daily devo. That's how I'm. That's how I'm saved. That's how. That's how you know I, you live a Christian life. You got to do your daily devo. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a daily relationship with Jesus is what He requires from us. Uh, a real relationship, and it's every day because if to truly have a relationship with someone, you need to build it and to allow it to grow. And and it's not like you have to do all this work. You know, the Israelites, as God provided the manna, did they have to make the manna? I mean, you usually get bread from all this hard work of like, you know, making seeds and plowing the ground and making sure it gets watered and keeping the bugs off of it. And finally it gets to wheat and then you have to take the wheat, harvest the wheat. I mean, it's months worth of work in order to get loaves of bread out of the ground, like literally through seeds and wheat. And yet God just provides. That was God's work, and you just have to pick it up. You just have to pick up the pieces and eat spiritually of this food. And um, and to not get legalistic about a daily devo, but to just realize that, that it's your spiritual food. It's what gives you energy. Just like I get grumpy if I don't eat a lot of food uh, or eat enough food or I get kind of hungry. Uh, I get grumpy and, and I lack energy. And you lack energy to fight sin. You lack energy to get, to get out of the darkness. So I, I would encourage you to say with the thought that you're just picking up pieces of, of spiritual food that God has left for you. And at the end of... Uh, the end of my life, I want to be like, there's this guy named Jack Hayford. Have you guys heard of Jack Hayford? Kind of one of my, um, this person, I read his books, and he's kind of a spiritual mentor. He was a pastor for a really long time in California, and now he uh, he's really considered to be a pastor to pastors nowadays. And uh, he was just kind of talking about something else, but casually mentioned kind of in a, it was kind of in joking, but kind of not. He was, he was just saying, yeah, I do, a, I do a daily Devo every day. And the last time I forgot to do my, read my Bible, do my daily Devo was 1978. It's like, wow, dude, 
that was like before I was born almost. <laughs> and, uh, and he was just joking about like, I was in Israel, I was totally jet lagged, I was kind of laying on my bed, get, just getting a little rest before I was going to do my Devo, and he, and he fell, fell asleep because he was so jet lagged, and he just joked like, well, at least I was in Israel, and so that's got to count for something. Uh, <laughs> Was this thought? So he just—he was just making a joke about that. But but what I heard was, wow! Here's a man devoted to daily eating and being hungry after God, no matter what it takes, and 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 not just having to do it to do it, but but to loving this food that's from heaven, loving this manna that's from heaven. And so the the last thing I want to do is, if you want, you can turn to uh, John chapter 6. I'm going to read a pretty pretty long passage here about Jesus, what Jesus' words have to say about this manna that, that the Israelites ate and what Jesus really truly means. And uh, I'm going to give you the option. You could turn there, to, uh, John chapter 6, verse 25. You could read along here or on the board. But I want to give you the option of, of just closing your eyes and listening as I read it and imagining yourself being there as Jesus spoke. And the situation is that Jesus had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. It's this, it's this little uh, lake that's in Israel. It's not very big. And Jesus crossed it and goes to the city of Capernaum. And he, later on it says that he was in a synagogue as he said all this. So here he is in a Jewish meeting sitting around with all these Israelites, these Jewish people. And they, I mean, think about this ancient culture. No iPods, no TVs, no Internet no video games. Listen to this, no books or magazines even. I mean, that's, I mean, since the printing press, this is way well before the printing press, the average person didn't have any books, but they heard the stories. They even, get this, memorized the stories. I would guess that most of, at least the men, because the men back then were educated, not so much women, just kind of the way it was, um, that most of the men in the audience of Jesus would have had, listen to this, the book of Exodus memorized. They would have had the book of Exodus memorized. And so did they know the story of the manna? Like the back of their hand. What is that? (laughs) They would have known the story. They would have had the story. They would have had Exodus chapter 16 memorized. They would have known that story so well that they could have just said it. And Jesus is going to bring up that story. And he's going to add something and say something totally new. And so if you want, you could just close your eyes and think about being there, being right there as Jesus is in, I, do, I imagine like a little kind of a brick building and, uh, you know, girls are on one side, guys are on the other side. That's the way, the ancient way. They were probably all kind of sitting on the floor, maybe little rugs. And Jesus is teaching them, maybe like a guest speaker or something. And he's from this region of Galilee. And so the people probably knew of him from a kid and they're listening to him. And here's what it says. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate of the loaves and had your fill. Basically, I, I gave you a free lunch. And then he says this, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man gave you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what, was, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign will you give that we might see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers, they ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they asked him, from now on, give us this bread. And then listen to this very carefully. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, and you have seen, and, and, you, and, and still you do not believe, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble. Does that sound familiar? It's a very parallel kind of parallel-ish to Exodus chapter 16, this passage in John. The Jews began to grumble about him, and he said, I, that he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourself, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws me to him. And I will raise him up on the last day. As, as it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Let's pray. Father, right now, Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life. God, this image that that you continually, every single day, feed us spiritually. You are the one that fills that hole in our life, that spiritual hole, that God-shaped hole, that you, Jesus, are the bread that came down from heaven. God, we're talking about so much more than just eating food today. The forefathers, the, the Israelites in the desert, ate this manna, this special spiritual bread, but they all died. And yet you say you are the bread of life. If we eat of you, believe in you, have a relationship with you, then you will give us eternal life. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We are so blessed to be called your disciples. We are so blessed that you have given us your bread freely to eat. And we just need to gather it, to pick it up, to eat it spiritually, God. We just need to believe in you. God, we thank you for this message, your message of truth and your scripture today. God, we leave here overjoyed that that we have this spiritual food inside of us. And all we need to do is just eat it. And that should be a, a wonderful, joyous thing. God, we praise you and we thank you. And everybody said, Amen.